Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a podcast where we bring leaders from different domains in technology, product, sales, marketing, finance, etc. to share their insights in how to build and scale great companies. I'm Vani Kola, Managing Director of Kalari Capital and your host. Hello everyone. Welcome to Behind the Scenes podcast brought to you by Kalari. Abhijit Baduri has built many high performance teams and organizations. Today he brings to us his learnings and experiences in building great teams, great cultures, great organizations. Welcome Abhijit. Thank you for uh, joining the uh, Kalari podcast and uh, taking the time. I'm excited and looking forward to our conversation. Thank you so much for having me here, Vani. It's such a privilege to be with you here. You know, Abhijit, I know you have probably gotten lots of comments on your book, uh, Dreamers and Unicorns. Uh, you know, uh, thanks for taking the time to write a book. Um, but I thought, you know, we'll start a conversation. You talk about employee engagement and uh, how that is important for optimizing performance. And of course, that's very intuitive uh, and uh, we'd all agree. Uh, but in where we are today, uh, the remote first world, how do you think motivating teams and performance uh, is going, performance measurement is going to change? So I think uh, there are a couple of things that are happening now. You know, we need to, uh, first of all, start looking at the online world very differently from the way that we have looked at when everybody was co-located or, um, you know, everybody could sort of jump onto the call at the same time. So we are now in a scenario where you are looking at really, you know, work has traveled to the home front. Uh, and therefore, we need to really manage multiple roles. So I think the way we have to look at it is just as much as what you did let's say in a training session in a classroom, cannot be replicated exactly. You know, the time is different. You need more facilitators. You need to engage the people in a different way. It's a different way of working. So you have to first thing I would say is stop thinking about it as uh, pretty much just doing the same thing, except that we are now doing it in front of the camera. I think that's the first major mistake that people uh, do. The second thing is, you know, if you look at the amount of time that we spent in uh, meetings uh, earlier, you know, and now if you sort of look at it, according to the latest economist, uh, you know, managers spend about 23 hours a week on meetings. And that actually is draining because, uh, you know, for various reasons, we like to have the same duration of meetings. So if I was having an hour-long meeting uh, earlier when we used to meet in the uh, meeting room, uh, we are having one-hour meetings and it's draining. So uh, attention spans are shorter. It's much tougher to work like that. So I think just acknowledging that it's a different way of working is probably the way to sort of build that, uh, you know, shift. Abhijit, you have um, tremendous... Uh, experience in uh, on the field in corporates in many many situations how should I think about building trust in an organization what does that mean and you know examples from your uh, experience would be would, would make it so much more easy to uh, uh, learn from you know we have lived in a world where we've always said that um, 
you know, logic is for the office and emotions are for home. And yet now as work has moved home, uh, you know, we have to learn to become far more comfortable in dealing with, uh, uh, A, as I said, the workplace is a very different workplace. So, A, to look at it as a fresh uh, new animal which we are not familiar with. The second piece to sort of really start looking at is how do we build deeper relationships? Uh, because trust is actually uh, drawn out of two uh, elements. Trust has one element, which is uh, expertise. So if I know that uh, you are really good at what you do, you have the expertise to be able to do it, we trust that person. So which is the reason why we go to a particular kind of a doctor and not the others, even though everybody may have a medical degree. So the reason for that is, uh, you know, the reputation of trust, the ability to inspire that trust uh, through a conversation. Because when you feel heard, you trust people more, you know, instead. So those are some of the ways in which you understand that um, building trust is about building that relationship first. The second element is uh, building predictability. You know, when we build a degree of predictability, which is where, you know, people trust their friends because we know how the person is going to behave. We know if we share a secret, it's safe with them. So those are ways in which people have built little, little pieces of social capital. You know, in all my um, career, I have been yeah. very lucky, Abhijit, to have uh, HR in my firm be true uh, business partners um, to me. Right. right. In most of the companies, even large companies at times, but certainly in most of the startups, HR is never really... Uh, it's it's a tactical, it's functional, but it is not necessarily uh, cultivated as strategic to the uh, company's success. Right. I'd love to hear your advice and guidance on this for young founders. So I think one of the, um, um, you know, the way to understand that what creates value in the firm if you look at it, um, yes, product market fit, having the right capital and the way that you spend it, that has not changed. You know, So that certainly remains important. But I think when I started to look at uh, the research that I did for about four years when I wrote this book, one of the big uh, shifts that I understood was the value creation today comes more from things like intellectual capital, You know, the ability to attract talent your ability to uh, build um, trust in the consumer or in the investing community around the ecosystem, all of that. I mean, these are intangible factors which remain very, very important. So the way you build your uh, brand, which is the leadership brand, the talent brand, and the culture brand, really become the three big things that HR should be doing. Yes, there is a transactional piece, but today software takes care of most transactions. When you are looking at building a talent brand, then there are a whole lot of other factors that you are looking at. Building the leadership is not just about having one person being the visible face, but how do you build a leadership, uh, you know, the talent density of the organization where people really want to work in the place because, you know, the brightest people of that profession work there. So those are ways in which HR can add value. So designing the employee experience is the second aspect that I would say that, you know, HR should be tasked to do, which means trying to understand people, process, and technology as a way to uh, design better employee experiences. The third element that HR should be really focusing on, and that's what uh, you know, founders should leverage uh, HR for, is to be able to actually say that um, how do you understand employees that you have 
pretty much as a proxy to understand um, your consumers and customers. You, you talked about talent. Now, for most startups, you know, they are uh, short on capital and they are still unknown from a brand and yes. they feel handicapped in terms of building that talent density. So yes. how can a CEO at an early stage of the company uh, still have the opportunity to go build that great talent? Um, that's actually a fabulous question that, you know, the strategy that you use uh, for getting great talent when you are five people or 20 people is very different from uh, the strategy you would use when you have 100 people or 500 people or 50,000 people. So your talent strategy evolves. Uh, at the earliest stage, uh, you know, people join the organization because of the uh, vision of the founder. You know, they, they, that's really what sells uh, either to the investing community or to the uh, employees or potential employee talent pool, if you look at it. So the ability to articulate the value proposition beyond the product and what it could do and you know, the wealth it could create, etc., all of that. But I think the biggest thing that a startup can offer is the ability to get really wide-ranging experience across different functions. And, you know, you can help uh, the person build those kind of skills, which is extremely hard to build in a larger organization because larger organizations are a lot more uh, fixed. You know, if I want to do something about finance, if I'm an HR, it's tougher for me to get to do that in a larger organization. In a startup, it's very possible because everybody does everything. You are the office boy, you are also the MD. So, you know, it is that mindset. Uh, two, I think the ability to really begin to understand what it is like to um, uh, work at an extremely great speed um, and to pivot and to be able to you know leverage. These are experiences which are absolutely invaluable and most people at the start of their careers really look for something like that. The third biggest thing that a startup can offer is the ability to build uh, two of the most valuable skills today in today's marketplace, post-pandemic, I would say. One is the ability to deal with ambiguity. You know, where else can you deal with ambiguity and learn about it more than in a startup? And two, I think being fearless, uh, knowing that, you know, when you have sometimes, you know, you have just a month's salary left in the bank uh, and you have exp expenses which are, you know, much more. How do you sort of retain your courage and your cool and composure? I mean, these are some very, very valuable experiences you can never get in any firm if it's not a startup. It's certainly a trial by fire, the process of building a uh, startup into a large enterprise. Um, but you talk about liberating structures and uh, roles, and that yeah. concept actually resonated with me. At Kalari, uh, you know, we have a very non-hierarchical structure, and even and, and everybody has a voice um, to express and uh, speak up. And so sure. that works for us um, uh, in the world and the work that we do. But I sure. want you to talk about this concept of liberating structures and roles and how can that um, be something uh, truly uh, an important aspect of uh, building a successful enterprise? So I think when you look at um, uh, the whole concept of liberating structures has uh, you know two elements, one of which is how do you get the voice of 
everybody into the firm in a very, very time efficient manner, which does not necessarily need a deep amount of expertise, uh, you know, to be to have before you can do that. For most organizations, uh, you know, the real process is as soon as you are beyond a meeting room size, which means physically, you know, your organization capacity is beyond a meeting room, you need to start investing in these structures. So, A, how do, you know, day-to-day -day things get done quickly? And two, you are also looking at how do you get ideas of most people, uh, practically everybody, if, as long as it's possible, in a very, very quick way, without really making it a full day-long affair in a workshop and doing all of that. How do you do it in a quick way? Making that a part of the culture can really make a huge difference because then people are also able to give you, um, you know, feedback on something which is not working. You know, they, they ask them, to tell me what is not working. When you look at that, uh, it's a very quick way for people to talk about it without feeling threatened. I want to um, switch to a slightly different topic, Abhijit, and pick your thoughts on building a brand. Now, companies sure. need to build product brands, okay? And they understand that largely. Uh, but building a employee-centric company brand and personal brand, right? So what are ways in which, why is this important and what's, what are ways in which one can begin to do this? You know, many people, when they think about brand, they kind of think about themselves in the you know traditional sense that there's a lot of flash and flare and all of that. But, you know, it is your ability to create value for the other person that's really your brand. I mean, people can say whatever they want about themselves. It's eventually what others say about you is what creates your brand. So let's say if I'm a doctor uh, or an engineer, and then, you know, everybody knows me for something that I do really well. I'm a UX designer, so uh, I am known for that. I have created, these are my, you know, the kind of designs I've created. This is my portfolio. Being able to put it online uh, makes it possible for more people to A, learn from you, which builds your brand. Two, it also helps you learn from others because then people say, well, this I tried implementing and this didn't work. So you also get to sort of do that. This process of engaging with others, you know, is one of the most powerful ways to build a brand because in the online world, Building a brand is not like having a megaphone that, you know, you keep announcing to others how great you are. That's not how a brand is built. But it's about how do you create value in multiple ways. It could be the ideas that you share. Do people find it useful to spend time with you? Would they come and spend time with you and ask you a question which they wouldn't ask otherwise? And those are ways in which you become valuable to others. And everything else follows. So organizations, when they are looking for their employees to build their brand, are ways in which, you know, the employee has the greatest amount of credibility when they say this is a great place to work, for example. Yeah. Um, so if uh, an employee says that uh, unprompted, and you can always make out a fake product review, you know, we know um, uh, when you go to a site on, uh, you know, Flipkart or Amazon, you see 400 sites, all of which are copy-paste stuff that, you know, it's a fake review. But when people are able to also comfortably say, this is what I like, this is what I don't like, and being comfortable with saying that, those are ways in which an organization's talent brand builds credibility. That, yeah, I mean, they're working on some of the things, but, you know, here are some great things. And it appeals to people that there is authenticity that people can talk about, uh, you know, uh, even what they don't like. Those are ways in which 
employees can be, be very powerful brand ambassadors because they are the ones who have most credibility. Number two, uh, you know, the consumer becomes very powerful brand ambassador. So your consumer can be a great influencer for your brand. And then there are, of course, you know, influencers who uh, whose work, uh, the thought leadership, creates a natural fit with the work that you do. That is a third way in which you sort of find ways to amplify your talent brand. These are three different models which people can use. And Abhijit, you are a very versatile person. And uh, and I truly believe the world uh, you know, rewards people who are not robotic about uh, how they go about doing things, right? So, but how do you cultivate multiple passions? How do you integrate that into uh, our complex lives and you know, what are your thoughts uh, and really guidance uh, to live a whole life, you know, as we wrap up this conversation? Gosh, Vani, you are the one who's the mountaineer and an investor and a startup founder multiple times. You're the one who's got multiple talents as well. So, you know, all of us have uh, more things than we uh, give ourselves credit for, you know. Um, if you look at the kind of hobbies that you had as a kid, you know, if you just simply sustain them at various points of time, everything that you do creates a broader network of interests and trends and people you learn from. So I think the biggest way to do it is to do three things. I would say one is uh, education. So if there are things that you can learn, you know, by taking a class or some such thing, whether online or in person, whatever works for you to do that. The second thing that I did was to take a class and understand Adobe software. It was absolutely phenomenal for me to do that. The third is, um, uh, the second is to be able to learn from other people. So education, experience, uh, uh, you know, so or exposure and experience are the three ways. Exposure means you work with different people and see how does this guy do it? And most people will be happy to share that with you. The third is you try out many things. So education, experience, and exposure are the three things which you sort of play with in order to, you know, try out as many things as you want to. So, and we always find time for what you really want to do. On that note, thanks for making the time to do this podcast. And I thoroughly enjoyed our conversation. And I think it's very valuable for um, uh, uh, sharing uh, knowledge and experience as you are doing with uh, those that can leverage that and build their dreams and uh, build their unicorns. So thank you so much, uh, Abhijit, for, um, for this conversation. Thank you, Bani. It was absolutely phenomenal to sort of do this really power-packed uh, conversation with you. And as you know, I'm a deep admirer of the kind of work that you are doing. So I hope these ideas will be useful and the book will be useful too. Thank you. Thank you.